0: now escaping the drift the show designed to get you from where you are to where you want to be i'm john gafford and i have a knack for getting extraordinary achievers to drop their secrets to help you on a path to greatness so stop drifting along escape the drift and it's time to start right now right now right now back again back again again for another episode of escaping the drift the show that gets you from where you are right now man to where you want to be And today in studio, I got a good one for you guys. I got a great one. This is a guy that I met through, you know, like you meet those people and you're like, okay, if this dude is hanging out with this dude who's hanging out with that guy, this guy's got to be okay. Well, this is kind of one of those guys. Um, And and quite frankly, it's going to be really interesting because it's one of those things where I know the dude's a baller, but I don't know everything he does. And we're going to find out to kind of together on how he's a baller, what he does and how that affects you or what you can do with that information. So without further ado, master of AI, master of lead gen, master of everything we're going to go with. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this in studio today is Douglas James. Douglas. What an introduction, man. What's up, man? See, now you're ready to one to go <laughs> a brick wall right now, aren't you? Is that it? Absolutely. That is always the goal, man. It's like a hype, man. So yeah. you just see, you know what it is? I need to stop doing this podcast and just follow you around in public. And no matter what you say, just lean over your shoulder and go, yeah. <laughs> that's what I need to do. What he said. That's it. So, obviously you're a very successful guy because I met you through friend of the show Steve Sims mm-hmm. and uh, if Steve's hanging out with you, I know you're not a scrub and 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 I got a brief story of what you do, but before we get to everybody in the success that you are right now and what you can do to help them, let's talk about you as a, as a kid because I like to find that, you know, success leaves clues and as somebody that's raising kids, I always like to find out about how people grew up that turned them into who you are today and how that shaped you. So where'd you grow up? Talk about that.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, by the way, thanks for having me on the show, man. Of course, man. I love the energy, brother. You're so good at this. That's what we do. (laughs) So I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Are you, dude? Yeah.
0: Okay. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, let's go. I'm a member of the crew of Hermes. My wife is a member of the crew of Iris. Okay. I go to New Orleans every single year for Jazz Fest. I go to New Orleans every single year for Mardi Gras. It is like my second home.
1: You guys ride in the floats?
0: Yeah, I'm a member of the crew of Hermes. Nice. My, my parade is Friday night. My wife's is Saturday uh, Saturday afternoon. That's so awesome. yes, been doing that for as long as I can remember. Met my wife through friends from New Orleans, as a matter of fact. Okay. So you grew up there. How long were you in New Orleans?
1: Until um, I was about 19 years old.
0: So you're 19 years old. Okay. Yeah. Uptown, where would you live?
1: So we lived in Metairie in the Kenner area.
0: Okay. We Kenner. Okay. All right. Yeah. I got gotcha. you.
1: But then we moved, uh, I think after I was like maybe eight or nine years old, we actually moved to Covington, which is across like train. Yep. Yeah. So all my family like lives there now.
0: In Covington. I have good friends that live over there as well.
1: Yeah. And it's got like so much bigger now. If you're familiar with like the 190 and like Kenner, it's like really blown up over there. It's like so busy now. When I first like 10, 20 years ago, dude, Mm -hmm. it was like still so woods. It wasn't underdeveloped. Now it's like. Traffic's crazy.
0: Dude, it's so funny that the day that I stopped telling people I was on The Apprentice, like making it a thing, because like when I was on The Apprentice, I was like super famous for like a hot second. yeah. And then like, I'll never forget the day I decided to stop telling people what it was. We were at the Bacchus Bash, which was like a party that would have on Sunday before Bacchus mm. at Mardi Gras, before my wife, for this is years and years ago. Yeah, And I'm talking to this girl. and She's like, you look familiar. And I'm like, well, you know, you may know me from season three of NBC's The Apprentice. <laughs> and she looks at me and goes, "I thought she goes, I don't watch that shit. I thought you went to memory High School." I yeah. <laughs> stormed off, and I was like, "That's it. I'm never telling anybody else I did this. That's the end of it. I'm done." right now. So I grew up That's in New Orleans. Hilarious. What, what did you, as a kid, did you have a hustle? What was the first hustle to make money?
1: Yeah. My first hustle was selling jawbreakers and now we <laughs> Okay.
0: So, <laughs> so you were, actually. you were the kid buying You were buying them wholesale and then smuggling them into the school and then selling them.
1: Well, yeah, I would get them at the gas station, yeah. the brown paper bag. There'd yeah. be like a hundred of them in there. Yeah. And then the kids like would always want candy throughout the day. So I'll buy them for a nickel and I'll sell them for 10 cents.
0: Did mom and dad get a call from the school? Like your son's got a, got a, sweat uh he's got to quit slinging
1: the sugar you know what if my mom hears this, this is the first time she would ever is it really it. yeah <laughs> I never actually well look that. look
0: yeah. of all the things you could have been slinging in the schoolyard i think now and later is probably going to rank up there with being okay
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but that i mean that's that's what i did man i i actually i always knew i was going to be an entrepreneur yeah like ever since i was a kid okay because i was always thinking about making money being different. Like I was never the best kid in class. Like I was a, I graduated with a 1.7 GPA.
0: That's at a boy.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That'll get you right in a community college. Maybe with a, with a with a good experience. Did yeah. you, did you have jobs? Were you a kid that had jobs?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I was a baggage boy first okay. at uh grocery k- win Dixie. Well, Winn Dixie, you okay. know about when Dixie oh, so yeah. buggy boy baggage boy, I did that. And then I started serving tables, bartending, stuff like that.
0: So. Okay. At what point did you realize you were chronically employ unemployable? Because I realize, I think I know that all great entrepreneurs, it's impossible for them to literally have a boss. At what yeah. point did you realize that?
1: I, you know, you would have to fast forward till I was about 27 years old. So what
0: did you do between bart just, just bouncing around bartending, doing that stuff? Yeah. So drifting uh, along with life, if you will. Yeah. As, uh, as the theme
1: of the podcast, trying to goes. escape the drift here. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So like I grew up in new Orleans, right. And, uh, I kind of had like a a troubled childhood. Like it wasn't the best upbringing. You know, um, my dad struggled. He battled with like, you know, unfortunately, drugs, alcohol, stuff like that. And uh, the house where I grew up, man, it was like there was a lot of things going on behind the doors. It was not conducive to any type of growth environment. My Mm -hmm. mom worked nights in the hospital she's been a respiratory therapist for like 30 years Mm -hmm. and if it wasn't for her man like i wouldn't be where i'm at to be honest like she clothed us fed us took care of us
0: yeah and as most good mothers do make sure you're taken care of
1: yeah absolutely so um i was about 19 years old and i was living with my grandparents at the time and because there was it was a very became a very toxic situation with my dad so I, i eventually moved out and i was living with them for about a year and it came to the point where like you know my grandma and my mom are like you're out every night you know till 4 a.m you know you're coming in late you're not doing anything with your life you graduated high school a year ago so they're like you need to go to college you need to either join the military or you're getting the fuck out of my house so that was basically the ultimatum that i got uh maybe not those direct words but that's what it was so yeah. obviously i was not a great student there was no way i was going to college right mm-hmm. and um i was gonna have to leave anyway i was like you know what i'll join the navy so I joined the military. You and Cody Sperver, same story. <laughs> yeah, similar, right? So, um, actually, I joined the Navy to be an information system technician because growing up, uh, along with all the side hustles, I loved computers. I loved video games. I mm-hmm. would watch tech TV, right? And uh, I could build computers. I could. I was the kid that would take apart toys and put them back together. Yeah, see how it worked. Right? Yeah. So, um, I wanted to be. I wanted to work in computers. So I go to boot camp, and nine or ten days into boot camp. They have this thing called the moment of truth. They're like, if you've ever smoked pot, if you've ever went to jail, if you ever did anything illegal or anything, we're going to find out. So tell us now. (laughs) So when I joined, when I joined my recruiter. Okay, Do you
0: think they really find out or no?
1: They can not. I don't. How are they going to find out
0: if you smoke pot in seventh grade? Right. How are they going to find out? They just, there's always that one kid that might narc on you though. So you got to kind of be careful.
1: Did you tell, did you, did you tell them everything? So basically what happened was, man, when I was 17 years old, I actually had a job for target mm-hmm. and, um, I actually stole some electronics and I went to jail for like 18 hours. Oh yeah. And it was over 500 bucks. So what I did was I got into this first offenders program where it was going to eventually get expunged. I had to pay like hundred bucks a month, go to like one meeting a month for like 18 months. Mm-hmm. That process of going into NAMI, my recruiter was like, just don't ever say anything. Yeah. Took it off your record. So if they ever bring it it's up. It's expunged. Yeah, they're not going to see it. It's expunged. So but when you're in boot camp, dude, and you're a 19-year-old kid yeah. and this big you think fucking chief, or like that he knows is like, we will ass fuck you. You know.
0: Like, <laughs> we, know we will everything. Th- We
1: will do that and then we'll throw you out and then take all your money. I'm like, well, you know what? My recruiter was like it's expunged, like you know, it, it, it's cool. So I go into the interview because for me to be an IT, I needed a top secret security clearance. Sure. they There's secret, top secret, than confidential. Confidential is like White House and Pentagon shit. Yeah. So I go in there and I'm like, hey, you know, I when I was 18, I worked for Target. I stole some stuff. My recruiter said is expunged and should be good. So he opened my file and immediately closed it. He's like, I'm sorry, you can't be an IT. You don't qualify. You're gonna have to pick another job. Oh, and mind you. My heart was so set on this job because of my background I love tech. That's why like I got into eventually digital marketing. I just love technology. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was heartbroken, called my mom, called my grandma. They're like, "Come home baby." Like, you know, you'll be fine." And I was like, "No, I think I need to tough this out." So Did
0: um, they allow you to so they so they didn't say was leaving an option?
1: actually leaving was an option. They said you can pack it up if you want. I could have packed it up at nine days in. You could pack it up. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought
0: they were like, okay, once you're in like, no, no, you sign buddy. You're so, sticking this one out.
1: Yeah. So actually I, I was, I'm actually now knowing what I know now. Um, I've actually should never been given a second chance because I told them what I told them. Ah. So actually I got a second shot at picking another job. Okay. I think so, it's because my ASVAB scores were so high. Right. They're like this guy's like smart. He was a stupid kid. He just can't have a top secret security. Yeah. Plans. Yeah. So what job did you pick? Actually, I talked to my mom. On my mom's side, everyone's like doctors, pharmacist. I was like, let me just go into the medical field. Okay. So I became a hospital corpsman. So I became a corpsman. Um, and, yeah, I went to corps school. And then at my first duty station was Bethesda, Maryland, Washington, D.C. Okay. So, but fast forward, um, you know, getting back to when your original question was like, when did you realize you're unemployable? Sure. Well, dude, I mean – I went on to deployment. So when the whole, the Navy, it's basically, you're an entrepreneur. Like the one, the two skills I realized I was really, really good at when I was in the Navy is marketing and sales. Because the whole time you're always battling for boards, promotions, rank, deployments, ri- the, the chest candy, the ribbons on your chest yeah, right? yeah. to look good. And these are all like really great awards that you can get throughout your career I figured out how to make rank every single time, and basically be the baddest person in the room wherever I wherever I went. I'm selling yourself exactly. So, in two, when I my first duty station, after only being there for a year and a half, my chief put me up for Sailor of the Year against six thousand other sailors, and I won. And I did that because I knew my I had a chief that was actually teaching me what I needed to do on my evaluation. Retire, if I, go to school, volunteer, like all these things, right? Find a mentor, <laughs> find a mentor. That, and he was he yeah. was my mentor. So I was actually very blessed at a young age to know what great leadership was. Mm-hmm. And most people don't get that at such a young age. They don't figure it out till. Many well, let's years talk about
0: later. that because you know we talk a lot about mentors on this show, right? About finding that right person. Mm-hmm. What do you think the guy saw in you, or what did you do to present yourself in a way where he wanted to help you?
1: I think it was just my demeanor, my character, every time I showed up, I would, I would come in early. I would stay late. My uniform always looked great impress mm-hmm. press my, 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 my boots. You could literally see a reflection in my boots, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and I've always been, I've always had this thing on me where like, I want to just be the best in the room. Like I want to be number one, mm-hmm. very competitive sports. I was in track and football. Um, growing up as well I just wanted to be the best mm-hmm. so I think that presumed like in my my character showing up every day and he's like this kid's going somewhere he's a sponge let me groom him yeah you know so I'm very thankful for that
0: yeah that's awesome so but it's odd because we talk about understanding you're unemployable which to <laughs> me means uh, essentially you just realize that you don't like people telling you what to do but you're in the Navy so yeah people telling you what to do all day yeah <laughs> so at what point did you break away from that and realize you know what maybe not for me
1: so I went on this deployment in 2015. It was, uh, it was a humanitarian mission. Um, we went to Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Philippines. We built schools for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, we redid hospitals and clinics. I, at this point, I had gotten. I, I went back to school and became a lab tech, so I was just not a, a grunt corpsman. Yeah. I, I did run around with the Marines for a little bit as a grunt, but then I became a lab tech, got a degree. Went on that deployment, man, and I actually ended up getting capped to e 6 so for people that don't know, E6 is actually kind of like a higher level supervisor. Like I can be in charge of hundreds of people. I and mean, I'm this 25 year old kid as an E6. It takes the average person 13 years. I did it in five years to hit that rank. So I go on that deployment, I get capped, I get all these awards and I get back. And I'm like, after I just remember being on that deployment and we had just built this school for all these kids in the Philippines. Right. And I was the corpsman that was out with the CBs. So the CBs, what they do is they, they're the construction battalion and the mm-hmm. corpsmen. if they put a thumb through their nail or something happens, like I'm there to, to treat them yeah. medically, right? So I just remember on the last day before we left the island, um, it was in Rojas City, Philippines. We're walking up, me and the CBs with boxes of crayons, books, and all this stuff for the kids. And we get there and they had a ceremony for us. And there was literally hundreds of kids there when we got to the top of the hill. And they just ran up to us, man. And they were just hugging our legs, saying, thank you, cheering. It was just so beautiful. And I'm like, man, this, this feels so good. Like, I feel like I, I really did feel like I hit the pinnacle, like of my military career. Yeah. I mean, e six, I'm, I've already done all this stuff on this deployment. <clears throat> I know what, I know how to make rank. So coupled with that, when I got back from deployment, I'm like, I can pursue being a chief now or being in for 20 plus years because I know the system, Yeah. but I just got bored. I didn't feel challenged enough. Yep. You know? And so at that point I realized, let me go, let me try to put my time and energy into something outside the military and start to prepare what that looks like. And I didn't know what it was yet. Mm-hmm. I just knew I was ready for more and I didn't think the military could give me what I needed, you know? And that's when I found digital marketing, lead generation and and all that good stuff. So.
0: Awesome. So when you say you found <clears throat> that, I found digital marketing, I found lead gen yeah. and dude, and some of the wealthiest dudes I know, this is, this is, this is what they do, right? that, lead gen, digital marketing, media buying, this is what literally, I would say if you take the wealthiest guys that I know, outside of like your ridiculous billionaires that I met through the real estate business, yeah. but if you take just people that have bootstrapped up companies, I would say half of them that are extremely wealthy have done it through that channel, yeah. through the marketing and lead gen. So how did you find it? How did you get into it? I mean, talk me, walk me through that.
1: So I got back and I really, I literally started to Google, how do I kill my job? How do I fire my boss? How do I get? How do I get out the military and make money? These were actual keyword searches I was putting into Google, mm-hmm. and there was other really good marketers that were targeting people that were googling those keywords, right? So I found a guy that was teaching people how to rank websites on on Google as a mm-hmm. search engine optimization, right? So I started to learn from him, and then before you know it, within three months, I was literally making my annual salary in the Navy. I was making that monthly. Mm-hmm by just doing SEO. Now, what happened was, after about six months of doing this, the process he was teaching me was technically black-headed. So Google releases this algorithm update, it's called the Penguin Killer. Mm-hmm. I woke up the next day. I
0: remember when this happened.
1: I had I had 20 clients, 20 websites rank one or two on Google for like carpet cleaning San Diego. Yeah. Uh,
0: just random uh, stuff employ-
1: through, through white hat SEO. Right. And I woke up the next morning and my websites and my clients all disappeared from page one for their respected keyword searches. So basically my business went away overnight, like $50,000 a month in revenue. And I'm like, fuck. So I call all my clients. All of them are pissed off. Where's the leads? And I'm like, I don't know. I end up keeping just two clients and I get into paid ads. So I learned how to run ads on Google search. I learned how to run Facebook ads. Obviously I sucked at first, but I got really proficient at it and I was able to build up my agency, again, just being the lead gen guy.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, there are times though that, that entrepreneurship can go wrong. And I'm going to tell you about one of those points right now, because I'm going to have to right in the middle of our podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a phone call because I'm going to tell you a story. And that story is my children, right? They are 15 to 16. And since they were eight, nine years old, their business has been owning the vending machines in my, in my companies. Mm-hmm. They get to run the business, they stock them, they market, they do all of those things, and the clanging that you're hearing in the background is them loading their machine on the other side of this wall. So we're going to call my wife right now who I'm in there with them. Hi. Okay. Like, Hi. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you ask the children to stop loading their vending machine on the other side of this wall while I'm recording this podcast? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you're on the podcast right now mentioning this, which is awesome, so... There we go. So I'm just explaining that. That's okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So there we go. That's when entrepreneurs... See, that's how you teach a lesson and solve a problem live in real time at one time. Yep. See, other people would edit that out, right?
1: No. <laughs> this is
0: how we do it. This is how the world
1: works. Keep it real. But
0: now I can get back to focusing on you <laughs> because I'm hearing the clanging of cans on the other side of this wall. going on. Yeah, that's what it is. They're loading a vending machine on their other side okay. this, they a- this because all- they're at a school, which is good. Anyway, um, so back to this. <laughs> (laughs) So when you say you learned how to do Google ads and paid ads, right? Self-taught by a course, what did you do?
1: I Actually, all that was basically self-taught for the most part, um, because I already knew I was in the realm of digital marketing, Mm -hmm. right? I knew what SEO was. When you go on Google, you can see the search, the sponsored ads, right? When you're on Facebook, you have ads that pop up on your phone all the time, right? So I'm like, these people are putting us here because it's making money. Yeah. if I need a direct ROI for my clients, let me figure out how to run these small ads that are popping up on people's phones and just target it differently. But
0: you when know? you first started out, like you, you, you made a, you kind of jumped over a big hurdle there. You went right to I had ten clients. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you get the first client? What was the pitch to client number one?
1: Yeah, exactly. So what I did was, <laughs> so I was in the Navy, right? By the way, I built up my agency for four years before I could get out of the Navy just because of my contract, mm-hmm. right? So what I would do is. On my lunch breaks, I would take like a two-hour lunch. Only supposed to be gone for like an hour. Mm -hmm. I would actually walk into businesses and straight up ask for the owner, like Mm -hmm. the chiropractor. Yeah, like, hey, I can send you guys like twenty referrals. Are you interested, right? Or I would cold call them and say, hey, I'm going to send you guys some leads, right? My my favorite strategy. I'm going
0: to send you guys some leads.
1: Yeah. So my favorite strategy. When I first started to get my first client, it was a company called Lovely, Lights, Lovely Nights Limousine. Mm-hmm. Been paying me to this day. Um, I actually set up a legion campaign. I set up a small website, ranked it in a small city, Escondido Party Bus. Mm-hmm. Escondido only has like 300,000 people. So if you target that keyword, you can get it up within like a few days. You can be ranked number one. Sure. Right? Versus like San Diego or San Francisco. Sure. Because are big markets. Right? Massive, right? So I set up that small website. Within a week, I had leads. I had people calling that website for limousine and party buses. Mm -hmm. So I started to re... What I did was I rerouted all those calls and leads to the company directly. Mm -hmm. So a company that I vetted and I made sure I had their cell phone number. So their phone started to blow up with calls like asking for business, Mm -hmm. right? And I vetted them because they were on page two of Google. So I knew... They were struggling. They were struggling. Like they were in business, but they were like not thriving, right? Yeah. So after two days of sending them like 20 jobs, I call them up. I'm like, Hey, this is Douglas James. I've been sending you guys business. Do you want to have a conversation? Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they're like, fuck. Yeah. You know, oh, cause all of a sudden
0: like, where did this business come from? Yeah. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see that, see that's the, okay. See yeah. somebody that owns several businesses. This is one of my pet peeves. Right. And if you're thinking it like, if you're getting, this is a great business because literally people don't understand that doing what he's talking about right now, you can, own a business per se with zero overhead, with no employees, nobody calls them sick. You don't no rent to pay, no internet bill. Like, literally, you can just assert yourself as a minority partner into literally any business you want. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you that pretty much every business owner in the world is looking for more business and they're willing to pay for it. Yeah. And I, What I hate is though, the, the lazy folks. You said something I thought was so clutch, which was I would walk in and ask for the person that was there. Dude, mm-hmm. I get this from people that I already know what they're trying to do, right? I already know. I get these things on 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 the on the Instagram on the DMs. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? And it's always <laughs> the same thing. You just did, jerk nuts, yeah. like, and that's the last time I respond. Like you asked me, can I ask you a question? You just did, and yeah. that's all you get from me. But dude, doing it that way, where you show value before you pitch, mm-hmm. I love that, dude. And like by making somebody's phone ring, like all of a sudden, if imagine that, like you're you own. A car wash. Who gives a shit? Whatever the Mm -hmm. business is, and all of a sudden your phone starts blowing up, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself for two days, until somebody calls you and tells you it was them that made it happen. Yeah, and that's like one of my favorite one of my favorite acquisition deals or how I deal with folks when we grow our businesses through vertical uh, integration is I call it the Tony Soprano method, right? Where I'm like, okay, come in and I'm going to bring you in as a vendor and we're going to source business to you. And when I see that that's a viable arm and I know that I'm feeding that business and I ask them a simple question, which is how much of your business am I? Mm -hmm. And when I can tip that scale over 50% of their business is now me, I got your ass. Yeah. Because now it's, guess what? I'm your silent partner. yeah. Yep. And that's it. It's kind of the same method you're doing there, which I love. Yeah. So you got people you're generating, you're generating leads. You're doing that Mm -hmm. walk. We keep, keep going.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was my, that was my strategy going forward. I love that. Just, I would, and then combination of just walking into business, straight up asking. And, you know, there's a book now that I know, um, you know, Joe polishes, you know, Joe is. Yeah. yeah. So he wrote a book, what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. And that I'm like, it's a, like, we've, we've heard that before from like people like Zig Ziglar helping, you know, or is it a, yeah, Zig Ziglar help enough people get what they want. You'll have all you want in life. Yeah, yeah, So like I was learning from these people early on, mm-hmm. you know, and I started to realize like, okay, I have goals that I want to have of being out of the military, having my own company, you know, escaping the rat race, all that good stuff. I need to figure out how to deliver value. Yeah. So any method that I did, I was just like, I'm going to invest my own time and money and show this person that I'm legit before I even ask for a dollar. And I just kept following that same method over and over again until the point where I didn't have to, I, could, I had business coming to me because I would just have a wall of videos and testimonials of yeah. people and saying, this dude like brought us an extra 50 grand in revenue a month, right? And he never asked a dollar first. He just started sending us leads, yeah. right? So. That's how I grew my agency and I got really good at Facebook ads. I got into, I was actually one of the first people I think that kind of cracked into YouTube ads back in 2017 because mm-hmm. it wasn't a big thing. So my agency started to, I eventually got out the Navy and what that did was obviously gave me all my time back. Now I got 50, 60 hours a week to focus on my business. I don't have to like take a two or three hour lunch and go go meet clients. Yeah. Right. Yep. So I ended up getting into um, YouTube ads now, to backtrack a little bit, the reason why I got into coaching is because um, I remember I had a Master Chief, Master Chief's E9. It's the highest ranking yeah. in, in the in the active duty ranks. This,
0: this was a dude that was your boss or your boss's boss at that point.
1: This was a <laughs> boss of a boss, Yeah, high-ranking person. He comes to me up in the hospital. I'm drawing his blood, and he says, HM1, that's my rank, hospital corpsman, first mm-hmm. class, HM1. I'm 45 years old. I've been in the Navy for 25 years. Um, and I'm, I'm getting out next month. What do I do? I don't want to sit in a classroom full of 19 year olds. Yeah. Will you teach me what you do? And I'm willing to pay you. Cause
0: word was out. I'm sure because, uh, you were probably buying drinks with a little more frequency than everybody else uh, <laughs> with your rank when you would go to the old uh, go to the old bars there. I'm guessing.
1: Well, i did I didn't make I didn't make it easy for myself. I ended up buying like a S63 Mercedes, <laughs> like hundred eighty
0: thousand dollar car. hundred eighty thousand dollar car.
1: It's ridiculous. Like the payment on that thing was like half my check. Okay, but
0: here's the thing, though. Right? Okay, here's the thing, though. But did didn't they, didn't they like the, the, upper officers give you shit like crazy because of this? Oh my gosh,
1: dude. So, all right, I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened. And uh, if you're
0: listening, okay, listen to this, this is a bad plan. This part of it. Like if you're in the military, <laughs> do not rub your, the, your boss's face in your newfound wealth. That is a
1: bad plan. Keep yeah, going. So dude, I word got out, man. I had people coming up to me like, Hey, I want to buy your course. I want you, I want your coaching or whatever. Mm-hmm. My superior end up finding like my website online. And he's like, what the fuck? What is this? You got to stop this. Did Mm -hmm. you, did you request permission to be doing this? And I'm like, no, I didn't. So they tried to threaten me with like, you're going to lose your rank. You're going to get kicked out. All the same things in boot camp that I told you earlier. Sure. And then finally they were like, you know what? Somebody, one of my other superiors that was one rank higher than me, which was an E7. He, he was a friend of mine on deployment. So I think he came in. They had a, he had a conversation like eventually they came to me. Let's let him route official paperwork through the chain of command to request the right permission to run this company or whatever he's doing online. Mm-hmm. So I did that. So they gave me a moon, something called a moonlighting shit. It's a paper that you have your employer sign. <laughs> right. So I, I'm looking at it. And Are you signing it yourself? Si- You're there's, self-employed. There's a signature for employer and employee. So I sign- fill out my company information and I sign both lines I route it up and it gets kicked back and they're like, he, he signed it on the employer line. He, it, he, you know, this is not right. Yeah, he's he's got to go. And then, and then, uh, I was like, no, it's my company. I'm self-employed. Right. So basically they thought I was fucking with them, dude. <laughs> they, they, they just didn't want, they were oh, so boy. upset that I was making money. So they actually kicked me all the way up to captain's mast. So they put me through a board of chiefs that like bitched me out for two hours and made me feel like crap. Then I went up to the XO and the and right before the XO you go to the CO. Yeah. And if I if I go past the CO, he could like kick me out, dishonorable discharge. I All say
0: stuff. I say yes just because I've seen uh, what is it, Hunt for Red October? So yeah, XO, CO, commanding officer. I I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I get so it. I got the I got the link.
1: So the XO looks at my package and he's like, basically, there are there is no official paperwork or articles in UCMJ that can hold the sailor accountable to being an entrepreneur and having a company on the outside. He's within his right to do this. There's no moonlighting shit. There's nothing. There's nothing. So basically there was nothing at the time in 2017. Have they rewritten it now? I've heard they've, so I think I was one of the first people that helped The Douglas
0: James clause, if
1: you will. Exactly. (laughs) So I've heard now there's paperwork now, but back then there wasn't to handle at the active duty entrepreneur was very, very new and the military didn't know how to handle it. So the XO, kicked it down and I got to go home and he said HM1 you're dismissed lovely and as I was walking out oh my gosh my superiors best are, day ever they piss their face oh my gosh dude it was the best feeling ever now
0: I can just picture you like walking out like Kenny Powers just like 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 making it rain <laughs> dogs, <laughs> flipping dollars at him just for shits and giggles on the way out I just make because that's how my brain works because I'm weird but that's all right
1: that's how it felt man so after that I was basically untouchable all I had to do was show up for duty, do my job, yeah. do my time. And but they after that, they, that was it. they never fucked with Did me again. It.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. So you started teaching other people in the military and that went on to, so how many people have you taught at this point?
1: Probably 13,000.
0: 13,000 people thousand. have learned 13, from you how to generate leads for businesses through paid ads and everything else.
1: Yes. And
0: lucky for you kids, like if you're sitting there right now trying to figure out, man, I'm stuck in a dead-end job, I'm in the military taking people's blood I don't like it. No, you don't have to do all that. Just if, you, if you're not happy where you're at, dude, if you're looking to get where you're going to go. See, this is this is going to be, it's not like an infomercial today, but I like to give you guys solutions, man. I don't want to give you theory. I want to give you actual practical things you can do. And so we're, this is actually a two-part podcast today. And as we're rolling up on the 29 minute, we're going to get to the point where we're done talking about leads and marketing. And if you're interested in being able to learn how to do this and drive a $180,000 car and rub it in your boss's face... <laughs> He's going to give you a deal on his coaching. I, I Before we came in here, it's always like, hey, if you're going to talk about something, you got to give my listeners a deal. you got to do it. So if you want to learn more about the lead deal and coaching um, and coaching with Douglas James and how he does this and how he did it and how he continues to do it, go to ETD for escaping the drift, ETDleads.com, ETDleads.com, and he gave you a discount there on the program, or at least you can learn a little bit more about it, have a conversation with somebody from his team about maybe doing that. So that's good. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, I, you know, I don't need to do this. I have a perfectly safe job. My job is wonderful. Let's scare the shit out of you, shall we? <laughs> oh, because now you've moved into good. something new. See how yeah, that's a segue, man. good. I that know. Good. See, yeah, yeah, it's funny because we have before this, he's like, well, how are we going to talk about everything? I'm like, trust <laughs> me, we're going to get to it. It's a segue. See, that's what it is. You give them the benefit. See, you tell them a story. You give them the value, which is what we just did. And now you scare the shit out of them because you have a new company. I do. And what's the new company?
1: So the new company is called Quantum Logics. Mm-hmm. What we do in Quantum Logics, I'm part my partner is Howard Getzen. He he owns a company called Capital Logics. So I own a part of his company, mm-hmm. and he's been the CEO of a AI company for thirty two years. He exited his first company for over nine figures a few years back
0: yeah, cause a lot of people think AI is something new, like, oh, because I can go on mid journey and make myself look like a spaceman that you know, this is a new thing. No, this has been around for a long time. No, it's
1: been a long. It's like like fifteen years ago, you mm-hmm. walk into any airport in the country, and there's facial recognition software that knew exactly who you were before you went in there that bothers AI. me. That bothers me. Yeah.
0: one day I have a buddy one of my one of my son's son's friend's dad is a TSA guy. Mm-hmm. And one day me and my wife were flying to somewhere on vacation. And he comes up to us. We're standing in line. He just walks up to us and says, hey, what are you guys doing? And we're like, hey, how'd you, how'd you know we are here? Yeah. He goes, he was a supervisor for TSA. He goes, they flagged you guys in the parking lot. I'm like, <laughs> why did they flag us? He's like, I don't know. I told him I knew you personally, and I just come get you walking through. Oh, my God. We got flagged. Dang. So I don't know. What'd they do? I don't know. Nothing. He just grabbed us, and he told us he knows. It. He's like, those are my... He's like, they're not smugglers. Those are my... No, no, I didn't do anything. He just walked us through. There was nothing else. I think just him vouching for us that we weren't international criminals was probably enough. But yeah, 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 I've been flagged. Yeah. I mean, look, I I get it. I look a little suspect. I understand that. But but there you go. But Back to the AI company. So your guy's been doing this for 32 years, your partner.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the new company. What does the new company do?
1: So basically what we're doing is... The way the company is positioned, so we have a holding company at the top, mm-hmm. and it's got multiple layers, right? So first off, um, we've raised over forty million dollars. Develop an AI fund, fully autonomous. Mm-hmm. That's actually gotten 27% a year over. Meaning
0: it's trade. It's trading.
1: It's trading commodities. Okay. So your gold, your soybean, you know, all the stuff that's like never going to go away. Your bales of hay, all that stuff.
0: Yes. The thoughts and the thoughts and financial representations of Douglas James and his fund do not reflect those of the power. I'm sorry. Of escaping the drift. In other <laughs> words, don't hold me. Don't hold me legally financial for any of this financial advice. It's fine. Go
1: ahead. No. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that. But so the fund, it has uh data to prove that it's gotten 27% a year or more over 10 years. Now, yeah. the first six years was using something called synthetic data. Basically what that means is the AI mimicked the exact market and we trade uh, funds as if it was in the real market. Got and it. we were able to prove that it was getting those So you, re- you
0: basically run it through a system that shows how the market would hypothetically react in the AI world. And if it reacts positively, then you make the actual trade. Exactly.
1: So in the last few years, internally, we've traded millions of dollars on it mm-hmm. and it's consistently gotten the returns and Got so it. now going public. Got it. So that's one component of it. We've invested over $40 million into it. Um, Our staff, there's over 20 like quant scientists, um, data analyst type of people, PhDs Mm -hmm. as well. Um, The other component of it is we partner with entrepreneurs and businesses. Could be like yourself, real estate companies, other influencers, people that have products or services that are already doing really well. We just come in. And we create AI to create more efficiency. For example, the last company, or the company we're working with right now. Um, okay. They, for those of you who don't understand what he just said, um, if you ever seen the movie Office Space, if you've seen that movie,
0: imagine if the Bobs were ro- were robots. So essentially, they come in and coach companies about how to lay people off. <laughs> I mean, yes or no?
1: Absolutely. And dude,
0: yeah. you ain't a bad guy for doing this. So don't, don't. I'm not trying to make you a villain because it. Everybody's, this is what's happening. This yeah. is where the world is going.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate, right? Like AI is going to, people are trying to act like it's not going to replace jobs. It, it certainly is, is replacing sure is. jobs. every day. And people like you and I that are CEOs, our own companies, like we're trying to find, how do we maximize efficiency, save on payroll, right? We obviously want to do good and make an impact and create opportunities for people, but Not necessarily, uh, we don't want to sacrifice our bottom line and the health of our company for it. So if we can increase the bottom line, yeah, unfortunately, people have to let go. Now, what's going to change now in that same conversation, uh, what I think is really going to change the game with AI is bringing in people or employees that know how to use AI. Yeah. Right. Well,
0: th- this is the coal miner argument. What I what I what I mean by that is, if you look at, I don't remember which president it was, but it was somebody back in the day when they when they were getting rid of coal mines and they're right. saying, "Well, we're going to take all these coal miners. We'll send them back to school to learn something." It's like this guy's like, "I've been working in the mines of West Virginia since I was seven years old, or whatever the hell it is." Yeah. Like you are going to go teach me how to program a computer? The point is, you don't have the option because that was a very singular type. Like industry that was going to be affected by the changes they were making by going into into cleaner energy. That's a very secular type job that was being eliminated. This is going to affect every job sector, everything that's getting done. So if you have a job that is relatively simple, man, you probably want to be looking for something else. You probably want to be leaning into the future a little bit. And like you just said, learning it, you know, getting into a career where You know, I'll say, for me, the future is about one of two things. Like you just said, it's learning how to work with AI. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, everybody needs to understand how to be part of that new wave rather than get crashed by it. But two, I also believe there's a strong, there will always be a need for human connection. There will always be a need for, if you can sit across the table, I tell my kids this all the time, you know, look at all these kids with their heads down on their phone, right? In mm-hmm. 20 years, if you have the ability to look across the table and connect with somebody and move them through sales or, th- or through motivation or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you are going to just run over everybody else. Yeah. It's going to be savage.
1: I yeah, I 100% agree. And I tell my community that all the time. You know, mm-hmm. we have Zoom technology. I mean, this podcast, people are going to listen to it. They're going to watch it on YouTube or however yeah. you put it out, right? The more further we get into separating and having less community, like connection as humans, yeah. the more we're going to long for it. hundred percent. So there could be a time in the next 10, 20 years where this actually gets flipped on its head. Who yep. knows?
0: Tribal right. need. Exactly. The need to be part of a tribe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I don't think like in-person stuff's not going to go away. I mean, I'm, I, I, events are thriving, like yeah. actually bigger than they ever did, especially after, you know, what happened with C-19. Coming out of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you're going to get shut down for saying. No, I don't care.
0: Do whatever I want. No. <laughs>
1: Nah. <laughs> Fuck it. No. Um,
0: Free speech here, baby. Free speech. We say what we want. It just, Absolutely. It's all
1: good. So, yeah, man. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, AI is changing the game. And actually, just I want to make a quick point before we move further into quantum logic. Yeah. But so my lead gen company and the coaching company, yeah, yeah. we've actually adopted AI fully integrated. So, basically, what used to take minutes or you know, what used to take weeks or hours yeah,
0: is now taking minutes. minutes.
1: So like you could have, uh, you can be a solopreneur. Like I eventually had to hire like all these VAs, hire the, all the staff for my agency. You could actually freaking automate that whole process and save on all that people. So
0: you're you teaching, you're actually teaching people how to use AI yeah, right so, now.
1: So the program that you dropped a little bit earlier, yeah, for your followers, just know that basically you're going to learn how to set up an AI lead generation agency. Cause it's, it's fully autonomous now up to about ninety percent. There's yeah. human still needs
0: a little bit of, still needs a little bit of artistic touch because a lot of it's science, but some of it's art.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Some of it is. So, but moving back into quantum logics, um, what we've been able to do is, uh, we're working with these entrepreneurs, business owners, creating efficiency. Like the last company that the company working with right now had to let go 40% of their employees and they went from a 25% margin to a 70% margin just because of what we came in and build. Right. Yeah. So every single company, no matter what your industry is, there's there is a way to integrate AI. And you're gonna have the potential to save on payroll and systems, automate all, all the stuff that you have. So um so we're working with companies like that. But our big thing is we want to create these joint ventures to where we position them and prop them up for a better exit. Mm-hmm. And that's where we basically take um, a percent. We will take a percentage of that for trying sure. to bring in the AI. So that's really like our main focus is creating those joint ventures. But what's really cool is we own the patents as well. So the first arm is the fund. The second arm is the joint ventures mm-hmm. where we're coming and We're not talking about building AI, like connecting Zapier with chat GPT and yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we have to building
0: specific programs and standalone systems yeah. that are running.
1: Exactly. Like none of our PhDs are using ChatGPT. Right. Wow. They're like, like legitimately building stuff. So that's one arm. And then we own the patent of it. Right. So once the company sells, we can actually own, we own the patent. We could actually spin the company up again and resell and it re- again. And then we re- license Yeah.
0: And then unless there's a deal. Or, or do SAS or do SaaS with that to a whole industry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And unless like, unless the person we're working with, like if part of the deal is like, they want to take the, into, the IP and the patent. Yeah, sure. We can license that out, sell it. Right. But that's like the three, main arm so when someone participates in our holding company they get to participate in that entire ecosystem and all of it and what's really cool is every time a company sells and say if a company sells for 100 million bucks say you own one percent well your million dollars goes up to the holding company and can go right down into the fund mm-hmm. and since it never leaves the holding company there's no tax implication yep. for that right you can go right into the fund and start compounding 23 percent a year
0: are you a reg d fund
1: we're, yes, we're hundred percent regulated SEC. Actually, I've got my license. I'm a commodity pool operator okay. as well. So cool. is, I'm, I'm, fish, glad we,
0: I'm glad we did my loose disclosure then about yeah. this is no guarantee of future returns. We can't do that here. I'm just trying to keep you out of trouble. Um, yeah. Best I can anyway. I mean, being on this show, you're probably going to get in some sort of trouble, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> so again, with, with AI going forward, like- Forget the lead thing, right? If, if you are somebody that's struggling, you, you need to check out the lead thing at etdleads.com. You need to check that out. But if I'm somebody that's a business owner or whatever else, and and, and I want to kind of look at you know, creating some efficiencies or seeing what I'm doing or seeing what you guys can do for me, how 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 does that process
1: go? On For like one company, if we were to come in yeah, yeah. and build it all out? Yeah, yeah, We would just look at every single one of your departments. I mean, we look at your accounting. We would look at, you know, how are you recruiting? Is this something that you do?
0: Like, are you billing them? Or do, if you look for an opportunity for a patentable system, that you can spend out? Other places? Are you going that route? We, like you said, the JV. Are you coming as a as a true JV, or are you coming in as this is
1: how we do it? Let me, Bill. They what we're positioned as. We want them to invest into the holding company to be a JV to help us fund the staff because the twenty PhDs, the attorneys, and all that accounting. Should we get this? Yeah. Yeah. You want me to grab? grab yeah, it, it.
0: Somebody left the door open, so we need to shut it. So hang on. <laughs> Again. Again, other people would cut that out, but there you go. We're not cutting it. No, we're, we're going to keep going. Yeah, we'll keep going. I figure if Joe Rogan can like take a leak right in the middle of this podcast, we can do this too. That's yeah. My, that's, my figure. that's what I figure. And smoke doing. a blunt. Yeah. Where's my exactly lighter? Right oh, let me
1: run out to my car. Yeah. There you go. Um, Yeah. So they come in as JV partners, investing in a holding company. Um, and now what that does is it allows us to afford the staff, right? So they come in and they invest in a holding company. Now they own a piece of it partner with us and we get to fund our full staff. Now there are opportunities that we're looking at now where that may not necessarily be the case if there's like a massive opportunity, mm-hmm. but that's generally how we have a position right now. If you want to be a JV, come in, own a piece of the company, you get access to this entire staff, these PhDs, quant scientists, this attorney and accounting. So, And then we would come in and we have a process that we go through to figure out um, how can we, how can we start build these systems within your organization to create more efficiency, and
0: make it yeah. run like, like a watch. Yeah. Well, dude, let me ask you this last question. Now that we talked about that, so let's say I'm somebody that's that, it's, I'm struggling along, I'm floating along in life, I'm in, I'm in the drift. What what skills would you say should they develop straight away to get them out of this? And what would you do, man, if you had to go back? Let's 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 say you got nothing right now. Yeah. Start you over. Let's do the drop you off on a street corner in America, and what are you going to do?
1: Oh man. I mean, yeah, you absolutely need to know how to communicate with people. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. Other people have the money that you want and desire that you need to take care of yourself and your family and your livelihood, right? What's your favorite book for communication? Um, There's a book um, called Psycho Psycho Cybernetics
0: -Cybernetics
1: that I really like. highly recommend you read that book. Um, There's also... uh, by Dan Glover, No More Mr. Mr. Nice Guy. That's really good. Mm -hmm. There's so many pieces of literature. Actually, when I first started, I went really heavy into like Zig Ziglar, um, Grant Cardone even. Mm -hmm. I I actually knew Grant Cardone before he's Grant Cardone. (laughs) You know, it's like, I mean, 2016, he's like started to blow up, right? Or 2017, 2018, right? Um, These are all like really good books and and authors and leaders to learn from. Um, And I think that's the key, man. Like if there's somewhere you want to be, you got to go get somebody that's doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that's why coaching and mentorship. I I learned at an early age in my career, like, you know, people want to know this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, one of my mentors, his name is, um, Dr. Jeff Spencer. So he was a gold Olympian bicyclist and he trained 40 gold Olympians. And he also was like with like Lance Armstrong through like all nine Tour de France's. They won eight of them. Tiger Woods, he's worked with Richard Branson, Jim Quick, a bunch of people you probably know. Um, and he, people don't, athletes aren't just gonna go out there and throw the football, Patrick Mahomes. They're gonna work with somebody that is an expert in that one specific thing. Like if you wanna lose 20 pounds and feel and look healthier, you're probably gonna go hire a fitness coach. And work with i just did the. Nutrition.
0: i just i just did the 10x health stuff i just did the gary brecca oh, just nice. gave the blood and the genetics what is i want to know more about that process, i didn't way. i'll let you know I'm, I'm gonna try to get gary yeah, to come yeah. on and read my results in real time on the show
1: that'd be cool as uh, i'm trying to do, do. You have, like five um, years to live like uh, i hope not dude <laughs> I,
0: I, well no dude i gotta t- i gotta tell you though man i hit a point where i'm like something's the, the balance of something is not right yeah, yeah right yeah. like it's like i feel like in the gym i'm kind of running uphill yeah, that yeah. makes sense? And I'm like, that's not good. So yeah, yeah. I'm dying to hear what he says and, and I'm going to do, I'm I'm going to do whatever they say to do. Yeah. So yeah, I'll let you know how that goes. I literally just did the blood work and the uh, the genetics testing last uh, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I did that. So hopefully the results will take a couple of weeks to get all the stuff back, but we'll see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get Gary to, like I said, do it. Come and read it right here on the show and see what happens. That'll be fun. Like, you've got a week to get a week to live. Oh
1: <laughs> show, God. show over, show over. That's, <laughs> it. That's it. We're <laughs> going to cut this You're short. You're calling your wife. <laughs> We're gonna, yeah. This is not about the vending I'm going to call
0: my wife and tell her I'm dying right on the air. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going how it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think anytime you can, you can take a shortcut by finding the experts. It's a wonderful thing. But again, I'm going to ask you again, I got to drop, I drop you off on a street corner. I drop you off on a street corner, in America, no bank account, cell phone and a
1: computer. What are you doing? I'm selling something. I'm selling something. Yeah. Right. Um for me it's like I I will I will find a problem. Knowing what I know now, yeah. the thing I would probably go back to is legion. Yeah. I would walk into businesses and say, "Hey, I will work with you for a month for free and I will essentially double I could I could potentially double the amount of customers you guys are servicing right now." Are you, are you willing to do something? I'm, I'm going to work completely for free.
0: I love the pitch. So, so, so question, are you asking for a lead return or are you asking for a, a return on the increase?
1: I'm not asking for anything. You can keep everything. And then we could talk after 30 days.
0: Okay. So you're just walking in going straight, straight free now, for 30.
1: I'll, t- I'll tell you what I did with my first deal. This is okay. my, this is my first deal. So if I was homeless, obviously I need to, I need to eat. Tonight. You got to eat something. I got to eat something. So what I did is I did 25% profit.
0: You said let me have twenty five percent of whatever yeah. you make off what I sent
1: you. Yeah, so in the first thirty days, the limousine company, um, I brought them fifty thousand dollars in new revenue, new revenue, and I think after their hard costs and all that, they were like at a thirty. 30- they made like 30 grand. Okay. So I got a check for what was like 7,500 bucks, something like that. Which
0: was still probably more than a EO, whatever it was Corman was making I was, in, the, in the
1: Navy. It's twice as twice the base pay that I was making at the time. So I would so. That's what I would do. I would come in and work for free and I would just whatever I bring you, just give me a percentage of it. Yeah. Like that's it. That's the that's the easiest deal to make. And if you're really good and proficient at what you do, results are gonna happen. I'll show up. Yeah. I love that. So
0: well, guys, again, if you want to learn more about the quantum stuff, I mean, obviously, they follow you on Instagram where they
1: follow you. What is it? Yeah, it's at the underscore Douglas James. You could also just Douglas James on Instagram.
0: Douglas James blue, on Instagram, and you'll find him. Yep. He's not, hard, he's not hard to find.
1: And if you're watching this on YouTube,
0: I have something else I forgot to mention when we first started this earlier today. I had a little misunderstanding with YouTube.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if it's a misunderstanding. I was bet. Whatever. Anyway, we had to scrap our entire YouTube channel and start it over this week. Oh, really? Literally. The whole thing. Lots and lots and lots of subscribers all just had to wipe it. We got, we got, we got, we got some bad advice, some bad marketing advice through YouTube maybe six months ago, and we just been blacklisted. And even after dealing with some very higher ups and people do massive buys there, uh, we just eventually just decided the best thing to do was scrap it and start over. So if you're watching us on YouTube or whatever, please, please just subscribe. Every little bit helps as we try to build this channel back up uh, to where it was and beyond where it was because we've just been hidden for now for If
1: you need months, some help with ever. that, let me know. I know a guy. I dude, I
0: <laughs> the, the height. Oh, you do know a guy. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So I'll check yeah. out on that. And again, man, if you're looking to uh find out how you can start a side, it's a great side hustle. Yeah. It's a great way to escape the drift, dude. Check out etdleads.com. He'll make you a great offer there. You can do that. But anyway, dude, Douglas, thanks for coming in, brother. It was lovely talking to you. I'm excited about it. And and I got some stuff off there when you to talk to about the uh seriously about uh the AI because I, I got some places where we can make some money. Anyway, we'll see you guys next time. what's up everybody thanks for joining us for another episode of escaping the drift hope you got a bunch out of it or at least as much as i did out of it anyway if you want to learn more about the show you can always go over to escapingthedrift.com. you can join our mailing list but do me a favor if you wouldn't mind throw up that five-star review give us a share do something man we're here for you hopefully you'll be here for us but anyway in the meantime we will see you at the next episode